0: (laughs) hi
1: good evening good afternoon
2: good evening hello how's everybody good
0: good
1: Good.
2: thanks how are you man
1: yeah I'm good I'm good I'm good Um, all good nice one thanks for joining us uh, people we've got um, from Berlin joining in at Davenport or inland um Good to have you on, man. How are you?
2: Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for the invitation, Joachim. Uh Pretty well, actually. I mean, it's Wednesday already. That's quite a good thing. Mo- Mondays are not so great, but Wednesdays are uh, okay, I would say. <laughs> What's wrong with Mondays? <laughs> uh, it's just like, I don't know. It's just it's just the eternal Monday blues, especially when it's like a uh, gray winter outside in Berlin. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, but now it's good. Monday is like back to work, you know, back to the studio, so that's a good thing.
1: Nice one. Start of the week, start fresh again.
2: Yeah, exactly. Nice one. Yeah.
1: So um, let me introduce the other guests <clears throat> before we uh, go into the chat. We've got uh, from Paraguay joining us, Victoria Musi. Hello, Victoria. How are you?
0: Hi, Joachim. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Great to good. have you on. Oh,
0: good. Yes. <laughs>
1: Um you said it was uh... really hot what's the temperature over there
0: Oh, i'm not sure it's like at least thirty five degrees celsius oh more.
1: my god <laughs> yes. i wish i could swap you know it's freezing here it's crazy it's so it's so oh, cold. I, I
0: wish i could be there <laughs> <laughs> we enjoy well, that yeah. weather so much we don't have that here like all year
1: <laughs> well i mean um after a few months of darkness and cold um, uh... over here i i i'm I could, I could definitely use some uh, some nice summer weather again. But you're uh, welcome
0: anytime, whenever we can travel again. You know,
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: just, just just hop over, man. Just. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, yeah. If it was that easy, um, especially now, yeah. But um, anyway, good to good to have you on. And uh, uh, let's get on to P. Lopez, Ariel. How are you, man? Nice to see you. i hope ariel can hear <laughs> hello. us hello hey there he is yeah. <laughs> nice to meet you man yeah good to have you man yeah,
2: like
1: <laughs> <that>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think i think we should say to everybody who's watching that uh ariel is um joining us from his phone and uh before we went on there were some connection issues but uh he's loud and clear and uh understandable right now so uh, we just decided we go for it and see how it goes but um right now it's okay so good to have you man how
3: are you thank you
1: <laughs> there's a bit of a delay but <laughs> yeah that's a
2: mega delay
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll work with it we'll work with it you know i mean i love delays so you know
2: <laughs> um Exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> it's like going through going under <laughs> the Atlantic. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. The signal is traveling a long way, so uh, because Ariel's also joining us from uh, Paraguay, so um, we'll see how it goes. But yeah, uh, anyway, but good to have you all. Really good to <laughs> <laughs> It's fine. <laughs> so Ed, you say your studio week starts at Monday morning. And do you have a do you have a tight schedule like that? Is that is that how you usually um, uh, s- split up the days in your week? You go to the studio on Monday, and then what what happens next? What what's your yeah. uh, routine? What's your routine?
2: So so I share this space with Patrick Skook, um, and because we, we both have kids now. Uh, our schedule is a bit more yeah rigorous or like. Uh, Strict than it used to be for sure. So we alternate like mornings and afternoons most days and then uh, Generally figure it out by like texting each other frantically like oh, was it my turn this morning? I can't remember and then (laughs) So yeah, I mean, but it's also a bit like you know the office um, so it's just kind of where I go to work whether it's on music or on anything else, you know writing emails or label work, so yeah. And it's nice. It's, I love being here. As I said earlier to you guys, we've been here for almost 10 years now. And I think, you know, ever since we signed the lease on the contract and installed the, we had to build the walls, we'd built like a room in room. It just, um, it just changed things. Like it made, it made going to work to make music like actually like a job, you know, and it's, mm-hmm. that's cool. I, I like that.
1: That's cool, yeah, so how, how do you manage to, um, to split up the time between yourself and Patrick? Like you said, you were texting all the time, but um, what if you are really inspired and, and uh, the studio is taken? How do, you, how do you deal with
2: that? Yeah, yeah, that's tricky. Well, there, there's that there we've learnt, um, We've learned our rhythms over the years, so I'm like an early mornings guy, and uh, I think now that Patrick has a young child, he will be as well,
0: <laughs> sooner or later) <laughs>
2: But so I'm like the guy who might be, maybe gets in at 9.30 and just, yeah, like when I get in the mornings, I like to just uh, open up whatever I was working on the day before and just work for an hour without looking at my phone or anything like that. Uh, or maybe just jam and record something and then it's, uh, yeah, after an hour it goes like super fast and then an hour's gone and then maybe I then do some kind of real work for a bit. Um but yeah, and also late at night it's always it's always there that's the cool thing it, it works pretty well with two people i think it's it's good if it was any more then it wouldn't work i think but um mm. and uh and then you know for for ideas in the middle of the night there's the laptop, which has always been my kind of trusty way of secondary way of making music, like whether you 're on a train or uh if you wake up at three a m at home and suddenly have an idea then you can like Quickly get it down, maybe on Ableton, and then bring it to the studio. That's that's sort of how we both work, I think.
1: Yeah. So you you both have your own personal uh, computers, or do you have a shared studio machine as well?
2: Yeah, we've we've tried different things, but at the at the moment we have Patrick has a PC running Bitwig at the moment, I think, and formerly Cubase. He's really good with Cubase, and I have a Mac with Ableton and And formally reason a lot, so yeah, we're we're on different systems. We have different screens. It's a little bit like chaotic, but we found found a way to make it work actually. Over the years, I really like it because he's always showing me tips. He's like, he's the master at at, um, mixing, I think, or one of them.
1: Right. So um, I guess you you have uh, somebody to have. um to give you feedback and, and and stuff like that as well.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, it's fun. It's really really useful. I mean, that's also why I love uh being in contact with guys like Victoria and Ariel because as we've got to know each other a bit, we like sending each other music back and forth. And if you have someone you can trust like that, then you're golden really because you can really you can I don't know, I can never trust my own decisions or like I can't tell if something's good or not so I have to send it to a bunch of people first and then if some of them say like yeah it's good then then I'm happy about it <laughs> and then I can keep going I don't know if you guys feel the same way but
1: yeah Victoria how how long have you been um, exchanging music like that to uh, give each other feedback and stuff like that
3: yeah we we all work the same way
0: I'm gonna wait until he's back. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well at least he's frozen with a nice smile on his face.
0: Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's try and see if he can finish that. <laughs> okay, so I can tell you, I don't I didn't want to interrupt him, but you know. I, I, I think mean... it's safe. Okay. Um, I don't know it's it's been years actually since we met with Ariel and he's always he's always we're always giving each other feedback and with Ed it, it has been so wonderful to have the chance for us to work with someone like him as well because you know he takes his time he's very delicate in giving the feedback and that's always very um I think important for your own growth also because sometimes making music can be very like visceral or self-conscious so your criteria is you know is not always like the sharpest on everything so i think it's important of course
2: yeah totally it's just nice to have that like of course now we can't play music in clubs so how are you going to gauge anyone's reaction like if you're working on techno you want to like let people hear it a bit and maybe because I would always try stuff out in sets and have that instant then like feedback or you could gauge it if it was kind of sounding good or not. So it's really nice to send it to people. I think I always send my tracks or things anything I'm working on to send to like five or six friends immediately. (laughs) Like uh, as soon as I get home and put it on my laptop and they're all like, oh no, another another message from Ed, like...
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but. it's, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a different process, like sometimes uh, Ariel shows me his music in the studio and he's like, hey, look what I got, this is new, <laughs> and then sometimes, like, sometimes we're playing back to back and, like, right there, he's like, hey, let's try this on, I just finished this yesterday, so, for me, having the experience to listen to it for the first time and, like, seeing and feeling the people's reactions for the first time is always like it's super fun and it's a you know an interesting way of 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 feeling you know something that someone is sharing with you
1: mm. so Definitely. what what is what is more important to you the reaction of a crowd or the advice of a good friend you trust um, with your music
0: mm. uh, <laughs> more i think I think both are very important it depends on On what kind of feedback you're looking for for what purpose in the process of the creation I think because I think both are valid and because you know you should consider both
1: yeah but yeah if you play it out to people the only thing you get is like the pure um, intuitive reaction you know how does it make people feel on the on a dance floor or in in a club or yeah um, and of course, they experience it in a very different way because it's blown up to incredible proportions, you know, in terms of uh, sound. Um, and if you just play a track, uh, you send somebody an MP three to get like a, a feedback from a friend or something, it they they listen to it more analytically, I guess, and not so primal, you know, like Definitely. as a as a dancing, a dancing experience. So they are basically two completely different um, ways to kind of gauge what 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 the track is about, you know what i mean? So mm.
2: yes, Yeah, for sure. You're right. It's maybe good to uh to have both like if you I mean of course we can't try them out in clubs at the moment, but that was always this like 50%, isn't it? And then the other 50% is maybe well, part of it is your own opinion about the music you've made and then <coughs> definitely for me asking some friends who i trust for those little final tips like the hats are too loud, you know, mm. or this kind of thing. It's like, ah, yeah, of course, it, yeah, it's it's all valid. Um, but then I suppose over the years, you would hope that you kind of trust yourself a bit more, finally. Um, <laughs> or you maybe know, you make decisions quicker, don't you, about how to, like, make something sound good in a club and, and you can kind of be a bit more confident about how it's going to sound. I remember when I first started producing and I would try to play stuff out and it would just sound terrible or like the (laughs) difference between a record and then this track from reason would just sound so you know uh, such a stark contrast true
1: but you but you know you're competing with tracks that have already been mastered and um, you know made ready for for a club sound basically so there's there's really no way you can you can find out whether your track is sounding good um, if you just play your uh, untreated demo in in the middle of a DJ set, that's just uh, uh, that's <laughs> yeah. always going to be disappointing.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And then over the years, I guess you can like pr- learn how to do some kind of test masters for yourself, so that you can get it to a level where you, where you feel happy about it. <laughs>
1: hey! <laughs> Lady Starlight ask, is asking Ed if that's an Aldi shirt. <laughs> it's
2: an oh. acid Aldi. Oh right, <laughs> <laughs> nice one. It's my favorite t-shirt. Friend, friend of mine, Erasmus Bell, uh, made it for me. <laughs> and he makes, he made some clothes, and he, when he, when I saw that he'd made that, I had to, had to have it. <laughs>
1: So people, uh, people dropping in. Um, I should say that um, even though we uh, very often don't get around to, to uh, answering any questions, uh, please do post them because uh, if if they are um, matching whatever we are talking about or uh, can be part of the conversation, uh, we do uh, like to uh, involve you and uh, the people who are watching can. Um, can ask us anything um, music related, I guess. So um, yeah, please do, please uh, please post your comments and uh, and we'll we'll uh, try to to get to them if we can. Uh, and but don't be pissed off if we if we don't get to them. <laughs> um, we'll do our best. We'll do our best. Um, so Victoria, you are in your studio at the moment.
0: Yes, I'm cool. here right now.
1: Can you can you tell us um, a bit about your studio? What uh, what's your process? Do you work with a computer? Do you have hardware? What's the uh, what's your what's your system?
0: I work mostly with a computer because I don't have a lot of gear. Mm-hmm. I have a Juno 106. One oh this is an Akai MIDI controller. Nice. I have a um, Yamaha MX200 mixer and Yamaha S8, H, SH8. Uh, headphones so so that's pretty much it and then sometimes when I need um, when when I know I need some sounds from certain gear I just I go to friends house and record stuff and then you know try to use it and bring it here and for the creative process
1: Cool, so, so what do you usually do? You start with uh, recording hardware or are you sometimes also starting a track uh, straight in the box and, and uh, maybe bring in hardware if you need it or something?
0: I mean, if, for example, if I'm at someone's place and we're jamming with stuff and then, you know, we just record whatever happened with, with the hardware, I just bring it and have it like in a library and see when I can use it to complement stuff that I already have or new stuff, because sometimes that helps me come up with new ideas. And um, yeah, if not, cool. if not, I'll just start start working with the computer. And then I what I figured is like before when I started, I thought that not having stuff would be like limiting, but I think it helps a lot to try to do the most that you can with the little stuff that you have so if you just have the computer what's what's the extent where you can get with with all that you have there and then when you need to bring something external you do it so i think that's that's a good way to grow because then whenever you're going to bring something you know exactly what you're needing it's just it's not that you have so much stuff that you don't even know where to start
1: yeah yeah yeah, it's a really valid point. I think this this is something that comes up in, in most of these conversations. You know, um, people who have lots of gear are frantically looking looking for ways to come up with rules to to limit themselves because otherwise they'll just uh, get lost in the endless amount of uh, possibilities. And uh, so, um, people with uh, with smaller setups they they can they usually really maximize. Um, the potential a lot more because you know there's just less to work with so you have to push it harder to um yeah to to get the results you want so um this is a, a common thing you know
0: <laughs> yes i mean let's see for us where where we are it's not that you can just go to a shop and get a piece of gear it's it's a process and now that it's you know traveling is not very easy you cannot mm-hmm. just bring stuff that easily. so mm-hmm. I think, of course, I would love to have so many, so many things that I don't have yet in my studio, but I just, it's not my situation now. So, this is why I share the way I do it. I'm not saying that it's the best way or the ideal way. It's the way that works for me with the stuff I have. That, I yeah, mean, it
2: allows you to carry on being creative, right? Like, you don't want yes. to get to the point where you're not really being able to make music at all. I think that's another thing. Like, the ideas have to somehow keep flowing it's so like i was saying if you're making a track on the train on your laptop and headphones you can i think it can be equally if not sometimes more impressive than just jamming for hours endlessly in the studio and you don't get anything from it so, yeah
1: on yes. the on the, yeah. on the other hand i mean um, you you all have a comp- you all have a computer and and Computers these days are just insanely powerful. You know, even yeah. just uh, any standard doll without uh, any foreign plugins or uh, anything else connected to it is is just uh, just amazing you know there's so much you can do it's, it's just it's yeah. like a complete studio in uh in a small box you know so it's it the yeah i mean in theory you don't even even you, you don't need hardware it's basically right. the, the whole process and the interaction you have with machines that that is is making the process um sometimes easier and more fun but um it, yeah it to to get to an end to a result it's not a necessity you know so um Yes, it,
0: it just it makes the experience different just because it makes it more physical. Yeah. So I don't think it's better or worse. It's just a different experience, but the creativity is always there. Mm. So you're right by saying sometimes we say I just work with a computer, but I mean the computer is is a studio. It do, it's everything. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Everything. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, what about you, uh, Ariel? What is your uh, process? I heard you talking about MPC and MPC before. Let's wait for the signal mm-hmm. to reach. Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> uh, yeah, it's kind of glitchy, but I mostly use a computer, but always those awesome players to get like i don't know like deep on the sound and also a bit but the computer makes makes it all for me always
1: yeah so you you have some hardware and you end up recording everything in inside the computer then
3: Yeah, and the computer is it's like it's going out through the, the the hardware and the hardware is coming computer and like everything works works together. And sometimes I just make like libraries to work. I, I don't know on the bed <laughs> with headphones, like just like scene lines and shit. No, actually, no making a track every time to make, make tracks later.
2: <laughs> That's cool. That's a great way to do it.
1: Yeah maybe maybe uh, it's not a good idea to have um if uh Ariel is still on his choppy connection to just have him have ask him one question and you just talk about the whole uh, the whole process <laughs> so we don't have to interrupt you because the delay is making everything a bit weird um what i'm really interested in is um um how do you arrive from an idea to a track? Is it something you have a structured, uh, fixed routine for, or can you get to the end point in several different ways? Can you describe your, your process, maybe?
3: I can get to the same point in different ways, always. Like, but, there is, there is down on the on the, on the same wave. Sometimes like, I sound and the sounds like say says what what I have to do. I don't
1: know. Yeah, it makes sense. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Um, yeah, he's, it makes it, a bit, it makes it a bit hard to delay,
2: right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. De- yeah. I wish the delay wasn't there because I've got so many questions for you, but it's fine, you know. We'll uh, we'll get there. Um,
3: for me, yeah, it's, like, so, really glitchy, guys. Yeah. yeah oh, I,
0: can, I, I can try to help you answer some questions, and then you nod. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah,
1: let's try that, yeah. I um, think what
0: he's trying to say is he's very intuitive. Like, right. not every time is exactly the same. I'm sorry I'm answering for you, but he's very disciplined in the sense that every day is music-making day for him. But, you know, he, starts, he can start with different... Uh, sometimes with hardware, sometimes with the computer, but he's going to get to a point where that boosts the creative process along the way. Mm. You can nod if I'm right or not.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Maybe I can, or, or, or show your thumb. <laughs>
2: yeah. I would jump in and say, cause I've been, well, Ariel's been sending, sending over tracks for the last maybe three years or two or three years. And, uh, it's just amazing how much music he makes and it's, I'm sometimes amazed like within a week he'll send me like 10 new tracks or something like that and they're very involved like it's not just uh, okay some of them are quite loopy and quite straightforward in the arrangement but others are, are very arranged and there's like a real he comes from or well, I guess he really loves hip-hop I think and I would love to hear more about that from Ariel so it's it's frustrating with the uh, delay but it is it is what it is but uh, he's a prolific producer. He keeps see, keeps on sending stuff. It's crazy. Like, like in, I think I have um, probably more, I, more than a hundred tracks.
3: Beats.
2: Go, on, <laughs> go on, Ariel. Tell
3: yeah, us. Yeah, I gotta tell us. you some new shit. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs>
1: okay, Freak G is uh, calling you a music making machine. So, uh, <laughs> uh, I guess I started I guess, making uh, hip hop
3: when I was fifteen. Um, <laughs> I started when I was fifteen. I'm 38 now, and I still making hip hop. Like I really, I really love hip hop. Uh, like I don't know, it's just I think every every stuff I made, like house or techno, you have something from 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 hip hop, like always. <laughs> in a way <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah, I can hear it, for sure.
1: Um. So, so what's important for you? Since you like uh, like all these different styles, is is there something you um, you think? Uh, for me, I think uh,
3: connection had, uh, is really bad.
1: Yeah, mm. yeah. Okay, you know well. You know what? We'll we'll just carry on, and and whenever the connection gets better, we'll. Um, you can just jump in whenever you feel it's. Uh, whenever you feel it's better. Um, in the meantime, I was uh, fascinated by the. Yeah. Oh. oh uh,
3: <laughs> or I I think we can try we can try it in another in another time. I'm gonna, I, yeah, just, just, I a, just, just stick just stick around. A, to a new place and I got no internet, so i with my phone, and it's really shit.
1: Sorry, yeah. guys. It's okay. It's no okay. Problem, we'll, we'll get you on another time. To uh, to, uh, to oh, you're going? <laughs> stick around, man. Stick yeah, around.
2: Just stick around,
1: oh, yeah, just stick around. Just stick around. Not.
3: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, well,
1: yeah, it's a shame. Anyway, let's let's carry on and uh, make the best okay. of it. Um, cool. Sorry. So um, it's okay, man. <laughs> um, so uh, Ed, are you using the piano that's behind you?
2: Uh, well, I can't really play it properly. I mean, I always try, and it's really out of tune. But it's a, it does serve a purpose because, like, I inherited it from a, a guy that I took over his flat, and he left the piano there. And uh, I thought was, it was really beautiful and was really excited about it, but it's super out of tune. So first of all, I borrowed a tuning device and tried to tune it a little bit by ear. So now it's kind of roughly in tune. And yeah, definitely use it for uh, one-off, one-off notes and um, effects. If you like, you know, I opened it up so you can access the strings. And if you run your fingers across the strings and this kind of thing, you can create all kinds of amazing long, effects and reverb stuff so and I, I actually dream about making it into like a plate reverb or a spring reverb oh, something yeah. like that that's that's the next step yeah. slowly like wiring everything up to that side of the room and uh yeah i love it though it's i'm pretty fascinated with with people who can really play piano properly because it's i wish i'd learned it properly <laughs>
1: Well, yeah, I'm using it as, a, as an effect box, you know, like uh, running a speaker into it or, you know, use the the acoustics of the of the box or, you know, have something play against uh, the strings, you know, can, you can you can get, like, really interesting yeah. stuff. Yeah, totally,
2: yeah. It's cool if it's really out of tune and really discordant. You can attach um, different things to the strings, like crocodile clips and that kind of thing. I mean, next door to me is, are two other musicians who use piano a lot and they have like full-on prepared pianos and really know how to use that and it's it's really impressive so it kind of inspired me i just um decided to move it from our old flat when we moved out which was a bit of a bit of a mission because we used to live on the fifth floor with no elevator but uh <laughs> it was it was worth it
1: <laughs> yeah awesome um so yeah, can you can you describe your process because um, your music is quite um, there's often um, melodic inst- um, uh, elements to it and stuff like that. do you mm. um, do you come up with melodies in your head or do you uh, find them by by using sequencers? what's what's your um, mm. your way?
2: Yeah, I think generally they come from my head and just from from playing things like playing simple uh, riffs on a keyboard over and over or maybe playing with a filter at the same time so that it like creates some kind of sing-song effect. it's generally and I generally record a lot of audio and then just maybe in the end just take like one loop or you know a short section but there are times when I'll rehearse like a pass using one synth and then really record like the whole track on that one sound uh, or that one synth or one instrument but yeah I do like melodies and and kind of like um, well, I would say more like harmonic elements within techno and within electronic music. I really like uh, a lot of music from other producers that's super dark and super, like, I want to say cold, but I always end up adding some kind of, um, yeah, melodic element on top. So I can never, I I never get there with with the colder stuff or with the like really minimalist. Uh, I wish I could, but maybe that's something (laughs) to aim for. Right. And, um, but yeah, as I said, my process is pretty much like just recording long passes of audio and working with that. I don't tend to use a lot of, uh, samples in the box anymore, maybe one or two. There are some things I feel drawn to like a really good, sharp, nicely recorded hi-hat. It's always kind of like a, a useful thing to be able to drop in quickly rather than set it up on a drum machine. But, um. It's like one of the things when I when I was saying I used to do a lot of stuff on trains and planes on my laptop. I would generally always swap out the hi-hats then afterwards because I thought it would be better to have like a proper hi-hat from a drum machine. And a lot of the time, it didn't sound as snappy or as sharp or as clear. So then, in the end, I used the laptop hi-hat. And I don't know. I don't know what's best. Why should it matter? Like. Um, Saw, yeah you uh, might you, yeah. M- you
1: might you might think the um, y- you know that when when you're producing music like that you know you you're working in your head you're working like with with uh, placeholders you know you think oh yeah. I'll just replace it but it's funny how sound works sometimes because you put something together and once something is sounds familiar to you in in that context it's it's often very hard to swap it out against uh, against another sound you know because it's um, it changes the the whole overall um, yeah. vibe or the overall um, uh, not really harmonics, but the overall relationships between between the sounds. It's funny how that works sometimes. Totally.
2: Yeah, you can't just swap a a sound in theory for something else because you'll completely change the mix, and then you yeah. have to kind of relearn the mix and get your ears comfortable to it again. It's like when you're married to something, even if it's not, even if you know it's not. The best you could do or the best sound it's it's in there so then you maybe just keep it yeah definitely kind of struggle with that for a long time but these days I feel a bit more happy just to leave things in and let them be let them be ugly you know
1: <laughs> right so Victoria, do you um uh when you work with the mostly the computer do you have um like your own drum kits prepared or your own loop banks or uh, stuff that you've recorded previously or do you make everything from scratch?
0: Ah, It depends like now I'm in this phase where I want to just do everything from scratch and then I start with the drums and then if I like that like several tracks can come up from that idea so yeah it depends sometimes I in one same day, I come up with different like drum lines, and then I come back to them after with different melodies and so from each idea, like four or five can branch out mm-hmm. and um uh, sometimes if I discover some sounds that I really like, I put them together and I use that kit all month because I'm obsessed with that, so it depends on the on my mood and it depends on you know. I don't know the time, the day, uh, but about what Edward was saying about these sounds that you put together, I think sometimes uh, something can get very technical because you know how to how to accuse something or what frequency should be there. And sometimes I think we can encounter combinations that don't. We think that they don't make sense, but they elicit some kind of emotion. Mm-hmm. So yeah like technically it wouldn't make sense but then you feel something so you want to leave it there so in the end i think also that happens with the process like it it's all about it's very emotional and what what kind of feelings or vibes something elicits and if it works it works at least in the moment you think it works and you're having fun in the creative part and then you can get you know more like strict mm. so usually i would start like more in a playful not thinking too much about every rule but then the next day I go back to the stuff and then I think everything is just wrong. So <laughs> then I, I I try to, you know, say okay what can be used and what can not and then so I, I work more heavily in the melodic part of the ideas. I, I also this what happens to it also happens to me all the time. Like I try to do this very like more raw and dry stuff, but I always end up adding melodies, so I just now I'm just accepting and assuming that that's going to happen and then maybe you know, just accept it
2: yeah, (laughs) I think that's why I really like uh, both of your you know, Victoria and Ariel's music so much, because there's that melodic element and the funk element and there's a lot of like swing and bass lines and it's it's refreshing because I I search for that, to me it's like a a U.S. or American sound, both north and south, combined. So it's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty awesome.
0: Yes, it's.
2: Uh, There's a question
0: uh, for
1: you, um, uh, okay. from for Victoria, I guess. Uh, do you wanna wanna answer that?
0: Okay, uh, the work you mean, like DJ work or production work? I, I can, I can.
1: Yeah, talk a bit about Yeah, to talk, talk about the the scene there in um, um
0: Okay. Um let me see. For me, I I started doing this when I was like 17 or 18, you know, just exploring sounds. I I started with Fruity Loops and I never really had like a super proper music education but it was more intuitive for me then after that I found out about Ableton Live so I started messing with the with the software and from there I started you know learning more and meeting meeting people who were like mentors for me I met Ariel I mean he they I mean the scene here is kind of new you know it's very which makes it very fresh right now there are so many talented people here making music but yeah it didn't start like so long ago before i started so then i i met i met ariel i met cosmo octavio they 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 are very well-known producers here the other
2: guys from the lopez label right the lpz lopez label
0: yes So at the same time that I was, you know, exploring like the music making, I was also, I also started DJing. Um, and yeah, I I really don't remember the, you know, the exact order of things, but then the DJ work got more heavy and I started traveling. So the music production part I put on hold and then finally I was able to, you know, carry on with both. The thing with the scene here is that it's, it's very, as it's very young, we, we DJs and producers also have to be, you know, the club owners and the label owners and the promoters, to make the scene, to help the scene grow, you know. So you know, it's it's like, a, like a collective, you know, work all the time, which is fun and which makes makes our our group of people be more together for this for this ideal so this is how I met the guys and we you know there were other clubs going on before when I started so all of these things were very inspirational for me and yeah then I just continued with, with that I don't know if I was very organized in answering the question I'm sorry
1: no for sure no it's no it's it's great um did you do you did so did you get uh, in touch with this music through going to uh, events or did you find the music uh, by listening to I don't know records what was your first uh, contact with uh, with the music
0: just listening to the more commercial stuff probably like on the radio and then mm. um, it was such a long time ago yeah I was very young I was listening to these things and I wanted to learn more, so I started going to like certain parties where you know, with the fake IDs and stuff to try to <laughs> try to understand oh, yeah. <laughs> to try to try to understand where where this music came from because the access I had with it was like the radio. We we don't even have like record stores here, you know. Mm. So, uh, I was I was in school and yeah, I started going to parties. Then I started buying music on the internet, and that's how I was like, okay, how how is this made? Where you know, these, where, where do these sounds come from? So that's mm. more or less how I started. Like the curiosity, curiosity, helped me go yeah. deeper and meet and meet people who would give me you know the key to, to this world that I didn't know before. Yeah
1: yeah i i think it's a very familiar uh thing you're saying you know like the the like you wonder uh, how how is this made that's actually how it started for me too you know i i i I grew up like um you know listening to um sort of uh
3: yeah
1: (laughs) ariel attempting to come through but it's still very
2: choppy (laughs) um gonna be a good sample there yeah yeah yeah. house music we're gonna use it um
1: yeah i was i was gonna say you know that um back in the day there wasn't that much information for me either you know it's comparable to your situation uh the only the only um you know places where i could get the the music that i i was intrigued by was by listening to radio shows like pirate radio shows and going to record shops and and um uh you know going through the import uh sections and stuff like that you know and i i was always like how the hell is this made you know until i found out it was electronic instruments and you know back in the day you could buy these uh this hardware stuff for for very cheap and um Um, and just started with that you know but it was always the uh, obsession and fascination with uh, with the sounds you know how how is this done yeah (laughs) yeah definitely yeah
2: still think that today sometimes i mean now it's maybe the the puzzle is a little less broad or like the labyrinth is a bit simpler to get to the middle but i still think i still listen to people's music and think like whoa how the hell did you
1: yeah like that. and you so know cool. what <laughs> you know what if you ask if you ask people that's something that happens a lot you know and when i talk to uh friends or colleagues and i say oh damn that's such a badass sound you know how did you do that and right. most of the time it's like i don't know it was i think i was fooling around with uh synth x or you know yeah i don't need they sometimes they don't even remember what they used but somehow they got there anyway and that's uh, that's also a fascinating thing about um about the process of making music you're uh, often just going by intuition you know just doing something until you hit something that is talking to you or that is uh, uh ticking your box or you know whatever and then that's mm. that's the the thing you go by and you don't really remember exactly what was involved in the process to get there which is which i yeah. think is a very fascinating thing
2: yeah definitely yeah you often forget where sounds come from and or like how you, you, you could never recreate it often, like there's some, some uh, maybe some sessions I've done on a junior 106 from years ago, and I still keep going back to them, because I can't recreate it now, um, and like there's, it's just also, it's a mood, it's cool what you said, Victoria, about how you approach a track, like, or how you organize yourself, because yeah, some days you're not really in the mood for, getting serious into like finishing a track you just want to make some noise you just want to make some sound. so i do that too i just like come in and record record a drone or some textures for a bit and then just put it away and mm. then you can always come back to it later and uh sometimes i can't even remember how i did that but it's uh, it doesn't matter because then you've got it haven't you and then it's it's there yeah what do you interesting. interesting.
0: I think that the greatest thing about this is that it's that it's never ending. Like it doesn't have a limit. Like it's, you don't even know how you got. Sometimes you don't even know how you got to your own idea. You understand? And mm. that's so yeah. much fun for me.
2: Yeah, that's yeah, cool.
1: Yeah, and like you said, Ed, if you if you're um, not necessarily in the mood to make something finished, but just fooling around and experimenting with sound, you know, it's a really great way to uh overcome um um yeah I wouldn't call it writer's block but sort of like the lack of motivation to to get to the end of it to to, yeah. to finish something um it's it's a great way to not get stuck you know just to sort of focus your your attention to um yeah to making sounds or just uh, finding out the range of uh, of some synth or some plugin you know to see see how far you can push it exactly um learn,
2: so learn it, the instruments right
1: yeah so this is a question i am w- always asking most people is there uh what do you do when you get stuck what do you do when you uh um yeah don't feel it mm. you know is strategies do you have any strategies <laughs>
2: uh the famous oblique strategies oh yeah the eno
1: ones i just uh, i ran into um uh, there's an Instagram account now, which is called the Oblique Strategies, and they post oh, cool. uh, one of the cards every I don't know one once once every while they post a new nice. card. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Ex- maybe maybe explain to people what it is because well, I don't think everybody knows what it is.
2: For sure. I mean, I don't I don't use them personally, but I'm aware of how useful they can be, so I should use them. Mm. But my when I studied at uni, I studied graphic design, and I had a great tutor at London at the lcc which is the london college of communication he uh he was his name was biggles and he was like pretty eccentric and he re- he was really into all that stuff and he brought this set of cards in for us once and uh, showed us and it's a, like so it's like a set of 50 cards and each card is just has like one suggestion for something to do to help you if you get stuck so one might be take away one element or um you know, go make a cup of tea or this kind of thing is cool. It's like pretty out of the box. It's not specific in any way. So you can apply it to any creative process. Mm. But yeah, I mean, I, I definitely like uh, taking taking breaks, cooking some food in the kitchen or like going for a walk. Uh, you know, these are the, the obvious ones, I guess, but it does help. I find myself only able to concentrate properly for a couple of hours on music these days. And then after that, I'm just like, I don't know if it's good or not anymore. Or I can't hear properly somehow anymore. Um, so yeah, taking a break and like, what, once we had uh, our daughter, I started to come to the studio for like four hour segments cause that was pretty much as much as I could get away with like in between naps and everything else. And it really worked well, like four hours, and then have a break, maximum four hours, I would say. Um, what about you, Victoria?
0: Um, I usually like to go for a walk, and I think for me that's that's a big part of of production because sometimes I get stuck and I get frustrated, and then during the walk I start to think about what I was doing, and then yeah. I come back and you know just have a cup of tea or something, and then I say, okay, I can you know. Sometimes I finish the track and then I still think it's shit, but then maybe I can I can use the drums or I can use the melody. then the next day, you know, I, I always go back to the stuff I don't like because I think sometimes something can be, you know, drawn from that for a different yeah. purpose maybe or for a different track.
2: We're always so, learning with every every part that everything you make you're you're learning, right? And it's like yes. an exercise at the least. Yeah.
0: And then sometimes sometimes if I like like one segment i tried to or like one melodic phrase or sequence you know loop or something i tried to like layer it with with the, the same one but with a different distortion or different texture of the same one and see if that may make maybe brings me to a new idea on how to how to continue with the same track yeah. or maybe that's what was missing just like a background you know distorted atmosphere
2: Definitely. That I find that's missing in a lot, a lot of uh, things. Like I love some background stuff or like some tape hiss or some yes. sort of like swelling delay element or something. Um, I understand why people don't put that in their music as well, because it, it's always nice to have a like loud and clear, dry club track. I don't know, Joachim. What maybe you can share some wisdom on this, because like. I hear I listen to '90s techno tracks a lot, and there's not there's very little reverb on them. Sometimes there's a lot, right? Like, like a Fuse record, it's like like really booming, uh, plate or something, which sounds killer. But on the other hand, there's a lot of producers that didn't use any reverb. Everything was super dry, and those are the tracks that often really cut through in the club, don't they? And like, how do you hold yourself back from using too much? using too many effects that's um oh the
1: answer is i think the answer is simple that that's because uh you know some most people making who made music uh in in the in the early 90s they even even didn't own any effects or maybe just one uh one unit or something so that's i think we're talking about the if you're talking about the old plus eight sound you know yeah um I think most of the stuff was just uh, you know one drum machine, one synth, and and one reverb unit. And then of course, if you want to use that, you, you, if if you have that one reverb unit on your on your desk, you can choose to use the auxiliary to send your your, your sound yeah. to it or not. You know, it's like pretty binary. Yeah. And uh, and if, yeah, that that's why some of these records are drowned in reverb because they just use one one box mm. for everything and and just uh, you, use the. The you know reverb or delay or whatever on on all the channels at the same time you know in various uh, different um, uh, intensities but yeah. um, but you're right I mean the thing is with um, you know the, the limitless limitless amount of options these days it's very very tempting to uh, yeah to just put effect on everything you know just have different reverbs or delays or whatever effect going on on ev- on every sound that's going on. Um, yeah. But for those of us who have been playing live or um, uh, who've DJed or uh, have been experienced with hearing music in in, in a club environment, you realize that um, the more dry your track sounds, the better it's cutting through usually, you know, so you don't actually need it. You feel like you need to dress up your stuff in the studio way more than if you would just play... Play the sort of the bare bones uh, version out in in in, a, in totally. a big club. I mean, the best example. I, I keep repeating this, but it's the best example. is just a st- mono out on a 909, straight to a PA. It's fucking killer, man. It's just massive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's, yeah, that's all you need. You know, it's it's it sounds punchy and it and it's it's got all the uh, frequencies and spectrum you need to, uh, yeah. to have a, a fat sound in a in a club same is true for most other drum machines but you know that's the the obvious example i guess mm. but um but yeah there's only so much you can do with uh, with that dry sound and it's it's always recognizable so you, yeah if if you're producing something you you want to give your own kind of uh, vibe to it you know so you start manipulating it in in such a way that that it sounds more as your own track i guess yeah and um, that's, that's where the processing comes enough.
2: in yeah yeah so, yeah, it's like inspiring. Then to, I always add a bit of reverb for sure because like I love feeling it a bit, and then yeah, maybe don't go crazy with it and, and overdo it. But uh, but then, as you said, some of those early tracks that did obviously just use one, one reverb unit maybe, and then send every sound to it in different degrees. Like yeah. also, it sounds killer to me. I, I love that kind of sound. Like. And you really you can't kind of uh, you can't escape it, but it's it's really big, isn't it? Especially if it's very stereo, very wide. And
1: uh, yeah, but you don't yeah. you don't really need it to to get a um, uh, yeah to get a really good sounding club record. You know, you can you can sort of zoom in on on details like um, micro tuning things. You know, like tuning in in a sense of like uh, getting out like m- very very uh narrow frequencies that annoy you and when you're in the studio but those things are hardly ever noticeable when 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 you play a track on on a big system so it Mm. it makes i mean the the best thing you can do is probably uh focus on on the flow of a record you know and and the events that happen during uh you know in, in the record like like uh um you know emotion uh you know where where does where where do things happen you know how is it uh how is it structured you know those are the things that um you know are more i think more important to to get right you know rather than um be completely anal about about uh, the sound and you know stacking plugins on 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 plugins you know just to make uh, the you know the the tiniest details you know and yeah. The, the, yeah. the very small differences um, anyway but it's a you know it's an approach i don't know um, yeah
2: yeah it's really it's really interesting because it can be a real trap and uh yeah as you say in the end a lot of the time the only person that hears that minute change is yourself and uh, especially in a club or in a loud sound system you wouldn't hear these minute changes at all really Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's. A, I guess it's about being brave,
1: isn't it? Yeah, you I have mean, to let go at some point. Yeah, yeah, and then decide uh, that's it. You know, it's finished. <laughs> um, I think maybe this is an interesting one from S 90210 h What's your smallest viable party setup for playing live? I guess um, who who of us have done live sets or um like completely hardware based live sets have you ed
2: yeah i've done a few i did i've done a lot of live sets over the years but mainly up until two years ago was always based around ableton and then i would like chain up a drum machine and maybe one other synth like an analog four but yeah it was pretty much like a lot of pre-preparation in ableton and then at some point I don't play a lot of live sets, but at some point I wanted to get out of that and just be a bit more, a bit more free. So then I moved over to uh, an analog four, a TR8s, which I had loaded up a lot of samples and like one shots and hits and and kits from my tracks into. So it was still a bit prepared, but I could be a bit more spontaneous. And then um, various other small pieces of like a couple of effects pedals and a dreadbox Erebus monosynth, which I really liked. It's fun for you know small things really. So yeah, could it could be pretty compact. Um, I found that I liked to have two drum machines, so I often brought the old Korg Electribe uh, ESX1, I believe, the red one, or the old TR8. So I'd have like the TR8 and the TR8S and they work pretty nicely together and it's nice to just be able to like whack in some extra rides or extra percussion on the additional drum machine uh in a live situation it's fun but it's all taking up space and getting in a dark room it's it's on the edge of being too much <laughs> stuff for sure
1: yeah 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 I, I would say i would say the i think the size is only um a thing that that is um that matters in terms of traveling with it you know i think i mean the uh you you want something that is sort of portable i guess um but what i think is most important when you think about putting together a live setup is that it's flexible enough to be um so you can you can cover a really wide range of of sound you can Mm -hmm. you are basically uh free enough to improvise and to to really act in the moment and to uh, adapt yourself to every possible um, you know uh, corner or um, uh, yeah fringe of what you you really want to play you know so you should be really flexible and really uh, hands-on and intuitive um so so it's you know the range should be big but the size should be small you know you should be able to, control everything with one head and two hands you know if if you have too many things going on at the same time you start to be more uh, you, yeah you, you start you start to lose oversight and and you 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 basically spend more time kind of controlling everything and and thinking about where's what and
0: mm.
1: um, you kind of lose the the immediacy of your of your setup so I think immediacy and control is, is very important, you know, but the the range of what you can do should be large enough, you know, so it's, you should be very flexible, but it should still be very simple and controllable. Um, that's, yeah, I think the, that's hard, the two. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's possible. I mean, if you, like you said, you know, things like, you know, these groove book types, type things like uh, tr uh, 8s or or you know the electron stuff and yeah stuff like that and maybe a small mixer you know that's yeah exactly a, and a monosynth or something like that
2: yeah i always uh yeah. i pretty much straight away as i started playing live i always uh would use a aniline Heath dj mixer to play live from and i know that there's varying opinion about that but like I really liked it that I was already super familiar with the mixer and it was in the center of the live setup and it was like the go-to instrument in a way because you've got like four channels and two two cents so it's you have to keep it simple and, uh, and it's muscle memory then so you don't need to look at it too much if you're familiar with DJing a lot then it's cool you can make some really nice um, sort of like subtle additions to the live set. And balance things easily and whenever i tried to use like a, a proper stage mixer uh it, it didn't work out for me it was too many too many options so yeah you're right you have to like really narrow it down and and practice i guess practice with that setup as much as possible and until you're comfortable with it
1: yeah i mean the people who do use those those um live mixers or like 16 or 24 channel desks they usually uh play more like dub style you know so they have yeah. like all the channels playing at the same time like maybe in one big loop or like a long uh, arrangement and then just um take stuff out and or just mute have stuff. a few channels yeah. yeah mute stuff and have some channels going on at the same time and by that basically rearrange the track you know dub style yeah uh,
2: that's super cool i love it is really that. cool yeah, yeah i remember seeing daniel daniel bell playing at berghain and uh he had such a big setup that he required like a couple of the riders or risers or whatever you call them. So it was like walking back and forth between, he was like, there's the hat. And then I'm going over here to do something else. But it was really cool. Cause like, you could really see that he was using the space and not being afraid. That's another thing. If you're playing live and you're restrained to a really small little corner in the tiny little booth. And then you're kind of like, it's, it makes, it's a bit nerve wracking. So it's nice to use the space if you have it. But um, hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> it was fun to see it though It's like, you know, that ah, it's the drama of that Also Mr. G when he plays live He uses an NPC but he uses the mixer As you say in that dub style And it's like, it's all about That perfectly executed Unmute of like A couple of channels at the same time So suddenly the track springs to life And then it's uh, super satisfying As a dancer Or like to be in the crowd and watch it
1: Yeah yeah, I've I've done both. You know, I've done the the sixteen or twenty four channel desk style uh, sets, but also the uh, the smaller setups with DJ mixers. And uh, you know, these days I, I I tend to do that because it's you know more easy. It's easier to set up, and and it's um, like you said, you're familiar oh, yeah. with the, the DJ mixer anyway. And they they are made as performance tools, really. You know, so they yeah. they they're they're very um, yeah. They keep the. They keep the setup focused basically, you know. There's not too much going on and and still enough to be able to improvise and and do things on the fly. What about you Victoria? Have you played live or
0: Not yet. Not yet. Okay. Is it on your
1: list? Is it on your yes, to-do list? <laughs> of course. <laughs> have you thought about how to how you want want to do that?
0: I have no idea yet, but I'm right. planning it slowly in my head. Yeah, let's see if it happens this year maybe.
1: Okay, cool. Um and when you are in the studio, is it is it um, uh, all the stuff that you do? Is it like you explained before, uh, kind of the way the way you work? But um, since you also have some hardware, do you um, do like jam style recordings as well? Like um, uh,
0: yes, sometimes. Like, sorry, just yes, finish your question.
1: No, yeah, that's that's the question. So that that is already like all, sort of almost playing live. If you if you do studio sessions, which are kind of uh, re- you know repeating loops and then just uh, adding things and playing things over top, that is that is sort of playing live. You know, it's yeah, like exactly.
0: A, yes, that's yeah. how I record the melodies usually because I need to be you know listening and look to everything that's happening. So you know, layering stuff. But I'm not sure what I would. I'm I'm still not sure because I I would like to keep it simple. If when when I when I arrive to the live, you know, mm-hmm. when I do that, so um, we'll see. But yes, it's it's a very physical process which I like.
2: Yeah, and it's yeah. interesting what you said, Joachim, about if you use that that just the change from a stage mixer or a, like a big desk to a DJ mixer changes the whole style of the show probably. So, if you're an experienced DJ, which I know you are, Victoria, then like, you know, maybe you can start by just limiting yourself to using a DJ mixer, a DJ mixer, yes, a couple of different machines or Ableton, and I mean, I think Ableton and a drum machine. I've seen amazing live sets just with that setup. You know, mm-hmm, if you mm-hmm. if you have if you have everything planned out well and like you said as well, so you can go in loads of different directions. That's the beauty mm-hmm. of a a laptop is that you can really if it's not working out, you can just quickly jump to something new and
0: it has to be versatile enough. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. It's uh, it's really scary to do it without a laptop and then kind of <laughs> know that you're limited to this set sort of few directions.
1: Mm-hmm. On the other hand, if you play live, it there should be a risky element to it you know Mm. i mean if you i i I agree when you say you have to kind of uh have your head around the arsenal that you are bringing but to plan everything too much is is you run the risk to kind of make it boring you know if you if you know if you know in advance too much about what you're going to do um you don't you're not really kind of Pushing yourself and yeah. and it tends to sound a little bit safe if you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh,
2: as whereas well as
1: whereas yeah. well you you introduce some elements that can go any way that can go like any direction, um, and uh, can also go wrong. You know, then um, yeah, you introduce an element which which makes it um, more challenging and therefore. Uh, more uh, interesting for yourself and and I guess also for the crowd, you know, because people do notice when you are uh, when you are in dangerous territory and try to work yourself out of a you know a scary situation. And those are op- often the most interesting moments, you know. There should be an, always an element of uh, unexpectedness or or uh, mm. danger to to a live set. I think.
2: Yeah. DJ <laughs> DJ sets too. I mean, I love it when you hear a DJ like almost slip out but then manages to capture it that's the that's the bit that's the that's the best moment for me when they rescue it i remember seeing dave dave clark play live at fabric and uh he had something going and it was it was a killer live set but and it was i think it was about 2002 or 2003 and uh there was something that wasn't in sync and then a few people started to notice and we were like me and my mates were like Uh that's falling out that thing and then he was like whoop and he had i think he even had one cdj uh on stage that he used for some samples and stuff and then it all finally fell back together and people just cheered it was so cool Mm. it's it's all about that tension isn't it um, yeah yeah so so nice i like to hear it in recordings of dj sets that you know it adds that realism and that that um human aspect it's not completely perfect yeah yeah don't
1: you think so Victoria that that even when when you play a dj set there should be something that is dangerous or uh um unexpected put yourself in a in 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 a position where you have to kind of find your way out of a, a potential <laughs> potential failure or something right that yeah. is something that makes that kind of contributes to the to the uh experience i guess what do you think
0: I think it always should happen because that that's what makes it unique and you know it's uh, I mean it just brought an example of a live set because that happened I mean it makes it it makes it like visceral yeah he's mm-hmm. bringing it up because it makes you feel something like you know what you don't know what's happening but then everything is organized again but then anything can happen I think it's impossible to know like when you enter a room and you start playing what's so much fun about it is that the energy leads you towards what you're going to do next so it's this constant decision making process over and over every second Mm -hmm. like you're making decisions all the time according to what's happening so it's it's fun and it's at the same time an amazing exercise for the brain I think
1: (laughs) yeah Yeah, absolutely yeah, it's got to be a challenge, doesn't it?
0: Yes.
2: Yeah, I mean, you you also notice if there's a split second where you stop concentrating it during a a long set, for example, then and your mind just like just floats away for a second. Then you're like, oh shit, I completely lost track of what's <laughs> going on here. It's yes. really it is mentally demanding. Actually, I think like especially if you're playing techno, it's, it can get quite intense that you have to really focus on what's going on you know with your setup and uh... i've definitely had moments where i feel like completely lost the flow or lost track and then it's like shit how do i rescue myself now i'm sure the (laughs) crowd noticed that as well and uh... that's cool it's all part of the the tension and the the fun of the party isn't it
1: yeah so when when you're playing do you Feel you're always in control, or do you um, uh, do you think a lot, or is it mostly intuition? Because when I when I play, I I, I usually I, I don't see anything around me anymore, and I'm I'm just in the in the zone and and doing everything on intuition. You know what I mean? I don't yeah. I don't think at all. To be honest, I just <laughs> so nice. I just let it happen. Yeah. <laughs> I, is it? Do you recognize that as something that happens to you as well?
2: Or Victoria, Victoria, maybe? Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking. I mean, it's definitely most, most of the time, intuition. More percentage of intuition, but it depends. Sometimes, like if someone has to film you and you only have one hour to express what you want to say. I think I get a little bit more rational about it.
3: I'm like that too. I don't I don't I, think when I'm playing, I don't think. I just like
2: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Ariel <laughs> It's back.
0: Um but but then yes, if you're in front of a crowd, I mean I think you just get lost in in in, in the thing and mostly in the energy that that's surrounding the whole um the, the, the whole set, yes.
2: Yeah, it's like if you're really having fun and everything's working well and you kind of forget as you say about everything else. A A A A So another sound bite, another good sample.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's something um, you can probably only get uh, when when you have uh, the opportunity to play for crowds right because um i mean i get i get asked a lot you know what can you teach me djing or can you explain how it works you know yeah of course i can i can explain it technically but uh what actually happens when you when you perform you know what 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 happens Mm. between the you know the energy of the room and the crowd and uh, what people feel and what you feel it's it's uh, um, it's something you can really easily explain to people you know what I mean it's like um, it is something you have to um, experience really it's something that mm. that is uh, that's also something you you can't really teach anybody I think that's something you have to experience yourself
0: yeah. when people ask me to teach them I mean I, I say the same I mean at least start by going to you know all the the parties that you can because I don't know stand stand close to the dj look at their hands feel the feel the vibe is the closest you can get to the experience and then after after you know the technical stuff you're gonna have to be standing there because if not like it's the lesson is never complete you know
2: mm. yeah. yeah that that like crowd interaction aspects used to terrify me when i was younger and and then it's like this Inner battle because you're trying to work and concentrate on mixing records, but then you're not really interacting with what's going on around you, as in the crowd. And uh, they know that you're nervous, and then uh, it just it's a it's a downward spiral from there. I think. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like it, it takes it took personally. It took me a long, long time to feel comfortable in front of people and to feel relaxed. And then the best the best nights or the best uh, parties are, are when you feel 100% free and relaxed and not mm. really not self-aware. So what you said Joachim sounds amazing because it's just like it's like meditation, isn't it? When you're when you're playing it's just like It's very total very freeness. yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah, it's it is very um yeah, it's, it's 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 like a meditative state. Yeah, absolutely. Um I mean, you have to be lucky with the uh, circumstances like you said. If you if you um, there are nights when you find yourself in a space and with a crowd where you don't really get the the energy that you that you thrive on you know like you Mm -hmm. have to work harder to 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 get it where you want you know but there are there's I, i think that's where routine kicks in you know that's where you use your experience to kind of change uh, bend the vibe into something you can work with you know and that that is just basically uh work but you can you can get there in like half an hour or maybe an hour if you have more time after that you know you can you can kind of uh arrange the you know the energy in such a way that you finally get it to a point where you can move freely but um yeah sometimes that work is required and other times you can you can basically uh, zone right out from from the very start you know that's just yeah. something you have to get lucky with you know that's, so that's nice. not always yeah that's not always there you know but uh i mean it's something you feel instantly you know something you you arrive somewhere and you can you can just feel and see okay you know whatever i'm gonna do no matter what i do it's gonna it's gonna go down really really well because i just feel this room you know um so yeah those those are the those are the best ones but um yeah, yeah. You, and and if if you don't find that it it might require some work, but eventually if you're um, yeah if you're experienced enough you'll you'll get there you know it's it might you might have to push it a bit but um um the end goal of course is to always get there <laughs> and uh very often it happens but um yeah in it requires various degrees of uh, effort you know sometimes but um but yeah, of, yeah, the the best nights are the ones where everything just uh, goes like this, and you can just uh, disappear and sort of melt together with everything yeah. that's going on, and you know, be part of the energy and feel it. You know, that's,
2: evaporate.
1: Uh, yeah, so exactly. Like, so yeah. what
2: are the so what are the variables then for everyone? Like, what has to be? What are the, the bare minimum things that have to be right for you to relax and to kind of sink into that? comfort zone feeling where you're just like okay I can do whatever I want now like obviously the sound system but I don't know what do you think
0: hmm you know equipment in optimal conditions and of course the vibe I mean if you have that it's fine I can like not yeah I think I think that's a minimum
2: do you, do you have to know the club or the venue? Do you think you have to have played there before? No,
0: I I've I've played in places that you know for the first time, and some of them were like for me the best yeah. the best experiences.
2: Yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah. Somebody asked before what uh, to to especially to you and um, and Ariel, um, if there is a difference in your mind between playing for. Um, South American audiences and European audiences, is there a difference? Do you think there's a difference? Because now we, we are talking about um, really abstract things, you know, like uh, feeling okay in a room and, and getting the vibe. And I, I can imagine that is something universal that is not necessarily tied to, to a location. Or do you feel there is a difference between um, playing in South America and elsewhere in the world? Or Europe to be specific?
0: I'm thinking, um, in like in the, the the people's vibes. You mean? I think it depends on you know. The, I don't know. The, ke- the, the chemistry it's that it's
3: not different between like Europe or something.
2: Keep going, keep going, Arya um i don't know
3: for sure the the time in europe and the people is way more fun because like every, everyone's naked and shit it's like super fun <laughs> <laughs> and here the crowd is yeah yeah yeah. the people are more like teenagers so Yeah, it's a very new scene. You have to evolve a a little bit more for me.
0: Uh, Yeah, Yeah, to get to that point. The scene is newer, yes, but I think... Sorry, go ahead.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Is Lopez a real person? Yeah, actually... (laughs) It reminds me a little bit of uh, this. Game. You know, remember this old video by Art of Noise, Max Headroom, yeah, uh, uh, Paranomia. It looks Go, Victoria. Little, little
3: I, like... I think I think you, you got better connection, and we can.
0: <laughs> uh, no, what I, what I was gonna say is that I don't know if the difference between South America and Europe, but like playing in Paraguay, of course, it's it's. I mean, it's home, so that's always gonna be different because you feel. Like, you feel that the people know you in a certain way because you're always playing here. So when I play in Europe, for instance, um, this is going to sound kind of cheesy, but, I mean, I always remember, like, the people who always go here to dance because, you know, if it weren't for them, you know, we wouldn't have this constant, you know, exposure to this. And, like, you go somewhere else and people are super receptive. And you're like, oh, my God, like, in, in my own hometown I have this opportunity to just go and play every weekend and people are there and that's for me if I would make a difference is that like playing here it's playing home is always that you know Mm. special because of that yeah
1: well Mm. you say you say I mean Paraguay the scene is new but isn't the scene always new in a sense because it's only a certain category age category mostly like the majority of the people are people who are in their sort of clubbing age you know what i mean so uh, even though the scene is a lot older in in europe the generation that is actually going to these events is still relatively new i would say although maybe maybe the difference i would say is um, that there is a lot more saturation here you know in in europe there are way more more clubs uh, and even if you're in a small town there's like uh in every big city in driving distance there there are many clubs you know so there are there's a lot more choice and there's a lot more people touring here um like so so there people have you know way more opportunities to uh to see artists um in in clubs close to where they live and um and you know so there's I wouldn't say they're more educated about it, but they are, they have plenty, they have more options, I guess, you know, they're, are more options of, to see all sort of the touring artists, uh, around. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I
0: what, what I, what I meant with, with new is that like, I don't know, 15 years ago, we went like people made electronic music parties because there, there were no clubs here, you know? So I like the, the, the club culture and this everything that surrounds it is is kind of kind of new in a way. But yes, regarding the people who go, it's always going to be you know rotating, yeah. Which is which is a good thing, yes.
2: Yeah, but at what but point do you feel old? <laughs> 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 but yeah, it's I true. don't know. Is that
1: is that your experience as well, Ed, by uh, playing in different parts of the world? Um,
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it is you do notice differences. It can often be more subtle differences rather than like... I mean, I would say playing in Europe now, like Central Europe, like in Germany or Holland or Spain or Italy, I think we've got quite used to the crowds being fairly vocal and uh, kind of as a DJ, like hoping for that, that the crowd is going to be like, relaxed and allow sort of they allow themselves to let loose and shout and whoop it up and uh, that can make you as a DJ feel kind of relaxed as well and that you're doing a good job and then in some other countries you maybe experience that the crowd is a little bit more kind of yeah a little bit more withheld or like a bit more sensitive and not so outwardly confident that can be interesting how you then Like, where where does the night go then when you realize, like, okay, the crowd's never going to cheer unless I really do something crazy. Uh, So maybe if you get one cheer out of them, you know, at the end of the set, then it's like you did your job. I remember playing in Japan for the first time and thinking like, oh my God, what am I doing wrong? Like, it didn't, (laughs) no one, everyone was very focused on the sound, I guess, and weren't, they weren't really being vocal about the music, but then afterwards, People really clapped and and like seemed really really happy. So I was like, oh okay, maybe it was all right after all. Uh, it's it's a weird one, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But um, I think that like I feel like if you just do a, a good job technically um, and and you can come away feeling happy with what the music you played, then that's okay. But it's a whole nother level when when you get this like crowd reaction as well. So. Mm. Uh, depends whether you choose to play to that or not like do you exactly going for, yeah
1: or? do you exactly well because you know is it is it the do you really feel it's necessary or do you actually look for those reactions or do you pace yourself in your own uh, pace basically you know yeah. when, I mean that's the uh, you, know, you know once you know where the button is you know it's it's very tempting to 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 all the you know to press it all the time detonator. But does it, but but does it make your set better you know if you if you have like uh like a cheer every ten minutes you know what I mean
2: yeah <laughs> yeah exactly and then you have to keep them cheering as well if yeah you choose to go that. <laughs> it's addictive isn't it <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah just completely as over the years i would imagine it's completely shaped and divided the scene into all these different genres and different uh modes like you know i love it when a dj is not going for the cheers and and it's more like heads down focused and really technical and you know i like that style of techno especially so um i think it's okay to do that super valid and it's mm. art in the end at the end of the day i mean i don't think uh i mean there's a lot of dj's out there that aren't interested in that at all i think that's cool mm. it's tricky though it's a tricky one cuz you want you want to come away feeling like you know people had a good time
0: i think it's just it's a different kind of collaboration like it's a different kind of collaboration between the people who are dancing and the DJ. Like, if it's more like heads down concentrating, something comes out in one way, and then in the other, if it's the other way around, uh, maybe you have more interaction. So maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you get like a different, different vibe in the set, or different kind of. You take other types of risks, maybe. So it's just. Like a like a different texture of the you know of the way you present something.
2: Yeah. Mm. It's
1: making yeah. Me miss I, DJing. <laughs> I think I think yeah yeah exactly we're t- talking about DJing now yeah yeah <laughs> um, yeah I I th- I just think uh, t- personally I I um, I try to never underestimate a crowd you know I mean people are there to uh, to have an experience basically so. Um, the experience can be m- very multidimensional you know um it's the interaction with the people they meet on the dance floor it's the uh, it's the whole experience of going to a club you know the traveling yeah. to to the club the you know the the, the, the crazy people you meet at the, at the wardrobe you know uh, meeting people chatting to people on the toilet you know all that stuff is part of the clubbing experience going to the bar you know in <laughs> looking for the toilets you know whatever yeah. and that's that's all that's all part of it and um you know, um, basically as a performer or, or a DJ, you are only one small piece in that whole experience. experience. You know, it's you, you're basically um, providing a backdrop and, and uh, a background. Um, sometimes you can be more upfront and, and really sort of uh, address them directly, but other times you can sort of help hold back a little bit more and let all the stuff that is happening in the room just play out by itself you know just give people people a bit more space and the people who do the lights or the visuals a chance to to be in the forefront and stuff like that you know i think that whole interaction the whole club dynamics is is something you can you can play with as a dj you don't always have to be the loudest and the you know the the, the one dominating uh, the whole experience you know yeah. if you if you leave room for all these other other elements to kind of have their own development in their own space you get a more harmonic um vibe, I think. And then you can you can pick your moments where you want to, you know, uh really force the energy down and, and you know, just um yeah, to be really be there. And other times you can be more quiet or not in level, but just, you know, less less prominent, you know? Mm-hmm. There's yeah. a lot of a lot of energy to to, to play with, you know,
2: when in, on a night, so Totally, especially over a long set. And uh, I guess the temptation is a lot of the time to go for the jugular because mm-hmm. there is that competition, especially if you're on a lineup with a lot of other DJs, you want to be heard. And uh, I think it takes a long time to get comfortable with maybe holding back a little bit. But it's, it's, it's really I can really imagine, Joachim, that that's something that you have to learn over you know, your entire career it's like I can't say that I've maybe got there yet, I feel like I I still struggle with that you know, in in sequencing a set it can get really uh, (laughs) mind-boggling
1: Well, I mean, you you have to be lucky to find yourself in a place where you can actually identify all these different uh, dynamics. Uh, but once you do know, once you find them out, once you do know they're there, you can play with them. You know, yeah.
2: Um,
1: and um, yeah, it's like uh, it's like, uh, yeah, it's it it is really playing with energy. You know, it's re- and, and I think that's that's, uh, that's the most powerful thing you can do. Totally.
0: I think about what you said uh, about not underestimating the crowd, like if, if you're doing that, if you're being, you know, into it and not like super loud or the center of attention and you're taking the night as a whole thing, which it is, maybe if everyone's not screaming or whatever, you're not getting that. But like, the people who are paying attention closely are going to notice what you're doing and they're going to feel it. And, you know, I think, if you, if you were able to communicate in that way with at least someone who's there, I think it already makes it special.
1: Mm. Yeah, totally. Yeah, to absolutely. I think here's an interesting one from Snow. No, Snow, yes, yeah, Snow. Uh, what is personally your ideal set length? Who is um who likes long sets who likes short sets? Victoria, do you like long or short? <laughs> or both. Is there something to say for both? What do you think?
0: Uh I prefer long or intermediate at least because you can express you know, I think I feel I'm done expressing what I need when I have at least like three or five hours. Uh or more. Even better. <laughs> But uh, when they're like super short, it's it's different. It's just you know it's fun, but it, I always you know feel like it's harder to express something in in a in a shorter period of time.
1: Yeah, I can't do it. Like an hour, yeah. I, I, an hour, I wouldn't even know how to do it. You know. I
0: think after mm-hmm. an hour, you're starting to, you, you're you're starting like you're that's set. the, beginning. Yeah, like, yeah, the second set. the second hour is the beginning. The first one yeah, is just. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. One thing I learned about uh, shorter sets, and I would say I, I never play longer uh, shorter than than two hours. You know, two hours is the minimum. I I, I don't see it. I don't think the it point. makes sense at all to even show up if you have only one hour. You know, it's <laughs> just that's just yeah. that's like a that's like a. A circus trick, you know, like a, being a monkey, like a dress monkey. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's but like, I'm um, here. yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's. I think it's terrible. I mean, for for techno anyway, you know, I can I can see how how more you know sort of faster paced music can can work like that. Maybe dubstep or drum and bass. Maybe I don't know. Mm-hmm. But um, but for techno, you need like uh, you ne- you need space. You know, you need you need the the space in 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 time to. Um, to develop basically your set. Um, but uh yeah, I agree with Victoria. It's like three, four hours is probably the ideal set length. Five is fine too, but um um anything between three and five is 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 cool, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. and even three can be over in a blip, you know? It's crazy how fast that the time how fast time goes sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um but less than two is um I don't know, I mean, even with two hours, I feel I'm rushed, you know um and one one trick is that uh whenever I do have a two hour set i i play I start playing as if I was already playing for two, two hours, like I just go straight in the middle of it, you know nice. <laughs> not <That's> even <laughs> <true.
2: Yeah.
1: Straight laughs> just start just start if as if it's four in the morning, you know and uh, <laughs> and, then, how do you, and
2: how do you actually start though, Joachim? do you just like fade in? Like a peak time track, or is there still like an intro then in that case? Or yeah, how usually
1: I usually I start with uh, some I don't know some noise and then I, I drop a kick and then from there on it's like uh, as if I'm already playing. It's That's like cool. uh, you know it's I start with peak time basically yeah, yeah. like peak time sound not necessarily a, a, a peak time known peak time record but like that vibe you know what I mean like full on. And then usually usu- i don't build up i usually build down you know usually i start with uh full on and then um and then i sort of uh reduce 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 get and, more tricky yeah yeah that's usually the best that yeah especially when when you have um, a short time to develop
0: that's hey so
1: cool. john showing up hey everyone yeah uh, for each of you what are your favorite kinds of moments or moods you aspire to create in a set that's a good one
2: yeah, I mean, I think you just hit it spot on because you want to eventually reach the point where you can play very minimalist uh trippy shit i think I think that's the sweet spot, isn't it like when you can and normally that takes a long time to gain the trust of the crowd and that they kind of relax into it with you and accept that they're like in on a journey and uh that's really interesting that that you would then start your shorter sets you know as if you had or, already been playing for an hour that's that's a good tactic uh i definitely want to reach like these kind of magical hypnotic uh transcendent moments but you can't just you can't begin like that. You have to build that up. You have to earn it, as a lot of people say, yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it really makes sense because, like, you know, and, and there's this sort of uh, trance or hypnosis that happens to yourself as you're playing that you kind of believe it after a while, and you're like, okay, I can maybe get away with that record now, whereas mm. in the beginning of your set, you wouldn't do it. So for me, it would definitely be the, the sort of, uh, yeah, more trippy, um, more experimental end of the spectrum that's where I'm aiming for. I guess. And
1: is that because you like that sound or do you think something in the room actually changes when you do get to that point?
2: Hmm. Yeah, I think it's a combination because I think over time you learn that if you reach that point where it makes sense and maybe you've kind of gained people's trust, then you can really reach like a higher level of experience. That That energy, like you were talking about energy earlier, the energy then gets to a really kind of uh, magical place. It's like it's hard to describe, but I definitely can. I just have flashbacks. I'm having it a lot recently, where like just have flashbacks of very vivid moments from certain sets, from certain places over the years, and it's all part of like yeah, not being not being able to do it right now, I guess. Um, cool. But it's all about the lights and the yeah the the size of the room and the the volume or the the space of that room like how it echoes and reverberates and I think you just can you can kind of judge it when there's the right time to play those kind of records mm. yeah Victoria
0: I think there is definitely a certain magic in when you can when you know that you can get super far from your comfort zone, and like the crowd is accompanying that like they're like it's it's kind of a teamwork but they are ready for you to just you know propose anything and it's going to work like that that moment is i think when you got it you know then you can go back and forth with whatever you want but it's um like you feel everything is exactly where it where it should be this is why Mm -hmm. you can you know go a little bit out of the lines and then Mm -hmm. come back
1: yeah yeah do you get sometimes you think you wasted records too early like uh uh, (laughs) you know what i mean like you have this you you have in your mind okay i'm gonna drop this one because this is the you know this and this kind of thing is what i can achieve by dropping it you know and then um you drop it and you think oh fuck no it's too early, yeah. or <laughs> yeah, you wasted you wasted the opportunity. did you get that Is that does it sound familiar
0: It's been a long time since that happened to me, but yes, I mean, I remember a lot of times doing that and being like, Oh, that wasn't you know a good move,
1: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's funny. It feels it feels uh, somewhat weird talking about all this stuff now, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> since we haven't been there for a while, but I, um, I do like enjoy I do enjoy talking about it. I mean, um, it's um, yeah, it's so much part of our lives, I guess. But um, um, yeah, it's cool. It's really um, cool.
2: It's really fun to talk about it. We never maybe talked about it at such length and with other people like this. I mean, you talk about it with your friends at the party or like afterwards, but. Yeah, now we're learning to, to really uh explain to people why this means so much to us, maybe. Like mm. I've been trying to talk try tell my family a little bit more about this. You know, as we go further and further into lockdown. It's like trying to explain to my to my close family why this still means a lot to me and why I haven't mm. just gone and got another job necessarily or something like that. And it's it's a tricky one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's fun. I love I love talking
1: about this stuff. That's cool. It's something also found out uh, the last year when when these things stopped happening um, that uh, um, it's it's really um, it's really important to a lot of people. You know, the people who go out, they don't. I mean, you, you would think, okay, what what the hell are they doing there? You know, what what's what's the point? You know what I mean? Like. Um, you know maybe take some drugs or you know whatever and then you know just stand there the whole night on a on a dance floor but it's it is really the that sort of feeling of unity and sharing the energy with with uh, with a lot of other people people you don't know and people you know and and just that that whole experience and um, it yeah. is really something really something special and i think um uh, it's hard to explain unless you've you've been there and experienced it you know
0: I think if if you regularly experience it, not having it was definitely like. I mean, it's it's something that is needed. You know, it's important. It's important for your health. You understand. Mm. It's a, mm. we, last year we we recorded so many so many live sets, like with like playing, but with a camera, and you know, people starting interacting in the comments and stuff. So it was a way for like an outlet you know doing some doing it the way we could but mm-hmm. it was it was strange but i think like um the crowd who's usually there you know was there like digitally and it was it was nice to see like the community being yeah like that's supporting. nice yeah.
1: it's definitely nice that the technology allows that you know imagine this this would have happened like 10 years ago when when there was no you know technology to share um you know things with with others you know but but the the main point of of it all is is the um, uh, the collective experience and and the social interaction of um, people coming together and celebrating or enjoying um, a thing and being on the same wavelength or feeling the same thing or at least feeling being part of of something that is uniting them you know
2: yeah Um, Mm
1: -hmm. um, and yeah there is not really a, a way to do that online. I mean, it's it's a bit of a. Uh, uh, I mean, it's really cool to do it, to to play for an internet audience and and having you know, people in the comments and and still have mm. the feeling you're sharing it, but the yeah the the actual physical interaction, is is, um, yeah makes everything complete. You know, it's uh, yeah. it's all those elements together that make it make it a. Um, that's create the value in it i think
2: mm-hmm. totally it's like the difference between a radio show and a party i mean you see well we're all very kind of comfortable now with this idea of streaming dj sets and i i agree i think it's super helpful or like it it's it's maybe giving us like 50 percent of that feeling of community back
1: mm. that's
2: that's missing but it's uh it's definitely not, not the same. It's not as powerful as being there in person um, on, an, I miss on it so much on
1: a more positive note though, um, we wouldn't have been talking if if uh, this wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't exactly. happen Yeah, so, exactly so I, you know, there's there's a lot um, I mean, you know, especially in the in the creative uh, circles, you know, people have found still found found ways to to uh, to connect with each other. And I must say last year, You know, it's been a big change, but a lot of made a lot of new friends, met a lot of new people, and 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 it's in that way it's been absolutely amazing. You know, it's it's really uh, it's it's a different experience, but a really valuable one to uh, to me. So,
2: hundred
1: percent, yeah. Oh, input method has a question. Do you reckon electronic? music i guess will reach new ways of being experienced in public outside of club environments like for example art galleries um i don't know what do you think about that maybe victoria
0: i mean i think it it, it has reached in a certain way in some parts of the world already you know more experimental stuff it's still electronic, not club-oriented music, but I I think yes. Why not?
2: Yeah, I mean, it kind of has to, right, at the moment. Mm. or We can hope for it to uh, expand in that direction, because like, if we're not able to go to clubs, at least we can maybe go to an art gallery or an exhibition, and that connects the two worlds. I guess. I mean, they tried it here in Berlin and uh, it was pretty successful, but of course then different events led to more lockdowns and all that kind of thing. But I'm really hopeful that by the spring that, uh, you know, we can, we can enjoy some kind of collective events again in some shape or form.
1: Well, I'm actually, I'm actually really, um, I think that, um, you know, we all learned quite a a lot about, about what we were actually doing uh, and uh, what uh, uh, what it meant in in what uh, in in people's lives and and we found ways to uh, you know to connect to other people um, different different ways and I think there's a lot of value in there and and I I would even say that even when things get back to normal that uh, this these type of connections will will remain you know they will maybe they'll um be less frequent or less uh because there are other ways and again to connect but um it's um yeah for some for some things it's it's definitely a solution i mean how else i mean you, you ed and i would have been able to connect in 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 real life but uh for example victoria or p lopez you know it would be maybe yeah. been years you know before we would have actually met uh, at some point some place, and and uh, and get to know each other you know so i think um yeah there's some value in that as well you know to connect with people i mean location is no longer relevant anymore with with uh, connecting in ways like this so it's um i think that's a
2: beautiful thing yeah it's super cool and um, i have to say good on you for uh, you know putting this together it's what 38 weeks now 38 <laughs> yeah. episodes? that's serious man yeah. and there's there's been many i've seen many examples of things like that where people have kind of you know done a podcast every week or relentlessly put out uh, a radio show or mixes and it's super cool it's really encouraging and uh, really shows that there is a community and there is like some kind of weight and soul behind everything that we're involved in super cool
1: yeah awesome um let's get uh some people from youtube or twitch back into the conversation because we've uh, we
2: yeah i have to um, give a wink to diego okay hey, hey honey <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay um
2: uh, <laughs> I think that well,
1: was it. <laughs> how do you feel about playing short set in Border Room, for instance? Also, Edgar... Kevin- Hell, oh, yeah, yeah. We, we That was a comment uh, from from before. Um, should we go into that question? Or I think we've already answered that, right? Like playing in different um, environments. Yeah. yeah. Sandra, can you find any uh, anything we, uh, we can cover? Like uh, Jorge Magana, mm. do you think... Where you are located in the world matters when it comes to a music career.
2: Hmm. That's cool. That's a good
1: question. I think you know. I think uh, what I've learned with with um, doing these talks and also doing masterclasses, it, that I think it does. Yeah. And I. But I. I think it doesn't really um depends on your geographical location but it it depends on how many like-minded people you have in your immediate surroundings you know if you can if you can share your interest in uh or hobby or job or whatever you would call it um in the field of music with with other people you you uh yeah getting feedback you know having discussions listening to things together um playing your music to others you know that kind of stuff i think that that speeds up your your development and your and your growth by by uh multiple factors you know it's uh, it's really important to i mean music is something you know since ages like since since humans uh walk around you know on on the planet you know that is a shared experience you know music is something you experience together and um so if you're isolated, I would say it's it's a hard thing to um, to, um, yeah. It, it it's probably harder if you if you're isolated. But if if you can share it, if you can connect to other people that have a similar experience or a similar interest, it's probably that's probably the key thing more than your geographical location. What do you think? Uh,
0: I think in some places you have more immediate access to certain things. I mean, now you can go online and buy almost anything, but like I'm thinking about, like when I started here, like the the access to, to like the club scene or to buying records or, you know, that, that, that kind of stuff. Like you had to travel to be in like very close contact with that. And if you grow up surrounded by that, you have a different, I think you start in a different level because you already have a different kind of exercise in your whole environment uh, whereas in places where you don't have that it's it's not better or worse it's just that like you have to create those conditions for it to happen um i don't know like in you're in berlin you are one you you are a DJ trying to or a producer trying to you know you you you, ha- you know who else is doing that? But here is like very few people are doing that, and we have to create the scene. We have to open places that allow for people to be in contact with that culture, so they go and dance because they understand what it means to know you know to be in contact with all of that. So the difference for me is just the way the way that like. If you're doing it this in a place where it's not already built, you become—I don't know if to, to say a pioneer—but your 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 um, presence there means uh, is active in a different way.
2: Mm-hmm. It must be a lot of work, right, to to set that up. If you if you take the example of Asuncion, Victoria, like uh yes. And if there were no clubs or very few and a small, small scene, and, and you wanted to build something like you mentioned earlier, you had to be the promoter, the club owner, maybe uh, you know the label owner, possibly I mean, a driver, I, I, possibly I a chef. Like
0: exactly, I think that's that's the big difference. Like not the passion it and not you know you, you can you you are you find a way to meet with people who have your same passion but i like if the whole ecosystem that surrounds you is not uh, equipped with all of that you have to make it happen aside from making the music and all that so yeah i think that's maybe one difference i don't know
1: yeah i think uh,
0: not not that if you are somewhere else you don't do that also it's just that like in some places you have to create it from scratch
2: mm. yeah totally big challenge
1: yeah but i also think like what Boris here is mentioning in the comments having to create the scene is a beautiful thing, less rules and boundaries. That's what it's amazing, Boris, yes. Boris it's... says. I I it kind of resonates it's... to me because, um, you know, uh, I've I've had all I've had everything. You know, from being the only one in my city doing something and and uh, being in 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 a scene where everything you know was completely had become an industry and and you know with with all the possibilities and. and you know mega productions and stuff like that you know um and i'm i must say there's something to say for both you know things can be easier if if the infrastructure is there and and when all the all the all the people are pros you know and 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 it's it's a thing that's uh worked out and people know what to do and there's routines for everything and companies to support everything um Mm. But it's also a um, um, hell of a ride to to start something new, you know, to, 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 um, to be involved in, in something and, and grow it, you know, like from the beginning. It's, it's,
0: yes. Yeah. I, I, I'm just saying that the access to information is different and the yeah. way you have to mm. implement that is different. I'm not saying it's good or bad. For me, mm. it's, it's amazing to be discovering stuff all the time for yourself and not just like being handed in one way. So. It's, it's for sure it's beautiful yeah both of the both of the ways are
1: beautiful They're just different. <laughs> yeah 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 no i don't I, yeah i would, i agree there's one is not better than the other but it's uh, it, i mean yeah um oh sebastian has a question uh is there any vision you have that could make online events more rewarding for you as performers and dancers Mm. online events more rewarding i don't know
0: like if performers and dancers uh, add up to the add up to the experience of the night is that-
1: in terms of satisfaction right i mean i don't know about dancers because the, the i mean the only thing that is missing obviously is the direct connection you know the energy of being in the same room that's that's something uh... that is just not there i mean you can see people commenting but it's uh... it's a kind of like a distant call you know like a uh, <laughs> like you you know they're there but you don't feel it you know because they're on some screen somewhere in the world you know what i mean uh... uh their, their presence is definitely with with the ones that i have been doing the their presence is definitely important and it's definitely giving you the feeling that you are uh... playing for a crowd uh but it's different from of course being able to see people move and have the energy of uh you know bodies in front of you and stuff like that you know um uh, but um i do think both are rewarding in their own kind of way you know um i mean the stuff that we do here at store like the jams and the and the remote jams are um they are not designed or not made to be a substitute for a club experience they are basically intimate studio sessions and that's that's how how we approach it musically as well you know they're they're not like full-on um you know like uh, big in your face uh, big room t- type sets you know they're more like studio improvisations and and we give people a little uh, like uh a window into the studio to see how stuff comes together when people are interacting with, uh, you know, in an intimate environment, and that's a whole different setting than uh, being on stage in front of a crowd. So it is not the, supposed to be the same. It's uh, but uh. it's rewarding in its own in its own way, you know, because um, yeah, you're interacting with with uh, humans in the same room, but it's only two or three at the time, and and you feel that there is a an audience, and you know how how things are when you are streaming live, there is this sort of red light uh, um, when the record button comes on you behave differently and you know it's immediate and it's live and you only have one chance so you do have um, a sense of immediacy and, and, and um, a sense of urgency to what you are doing but in a totally different way because you can still uh, pace yourself differently and, and kind of uh, go into, venture off into areas where you wouldn't where you wouldn't go when you are in front of an audience because they would just wouldn't work, you know, or they would be boring, or too lengthy, or too dubby, or too spaced out, or whatever. Uh, but I, I think if you if you look at it from from what it is and what it what ser- purpose it serves, um, they are probably equally rewarding, you know, because yeah, you get a different kind of kick out of it. It's a different way of performing and different type of interaction but it's it's musically as interesting and rewarding as as playing in front of an audience in my experience anyway
0: i think um i think it could be good to see these these things as new outlets of expression like like a new pillar like you have a radio show you have a stream you have like something new and not something that is trying to replace an experience that we don't have the possibility to live right now like it's just a different thing that we're doing now, but not as a replacement, but like as a creative, you know, exploring a new way to make yeah, connections.
2: Exactly. Yeah.
0: People learn to, yeah. Just
2: the way to stay busy, just to help. At the end, it also helps you stay a bit sane. Uh, yes. <laughs> to keep, keep working, keep on creating. It's super cool. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, <clears throat> I think that's, it's, um, it's funny. Uh, I don't want to, bash anybody but i mean a lot of uh, promoters and clubs and and festival organizations in the beginning of the lockdowns like early uh, last year um they they tried to recreate um this sort of uh, festival or club setting and and stream that so you had like one person in an empty club, you know, uh, playing yeah. playing a DJ set or something like that, or or a live set. And I, I, to be honest, from the beginning, I thought they completely missed the point because, you know, the one element that people are really going to a club for was missing and that's the other people going to a club you know like the <laughs> the, the shared experience you know what i mean yeah. so so it it you know a, a club experience is not watching some guy or a, a woman or or performer uh, behind decks you know that's not the experience you know what i mean it's just you, you know just you just don't go there and stare at them and And that's the only thing you pay attention to. you pay attention to the whole experience, like we we talked about before, like the whole the energy, the fun mm. of you know moving around the club, you know, finding your spot and going to the bar to the toilet, you know, you name it that's that's all part of it. And it's the social social aspect of clubbing um, that makes clubbing nice and interesting and and worth going to and and the music is just part of it so by just by pulling those two things apart and presenting one element and forget about the rest kind of misses the point so i think streams of you know people doing stuff from their bedrooms are even more interesting than yeah, that's cool. trying trying to to you know having somebody playing in an empty club or at some strange location just by themselves you know what i mean it's like yeah um i don't that's and that's just not the point of what we do we don't just play we have we have a, a communication you know and if the communication is not there then it's right. it's pointless and um so so that's why why i stayed away from from th- this whole idea of trying trying that uh, to recreate that that shared experience in that way, and that's why we chose to do these more intimate studio sessions, which are, um, which are valid by themselves, because it, it's, you know, collaborations going on in an intimate space, and and we just have people watching over our shoulder, and that's it. You know, there's there's no attempt to to make people dance, or although it can be danceable, I don't know, you know, mm. it's fine, but that's not the, it's not trying to be an online rave. You know, it's it's a, it's a studio ex- uh, experience. <laughs> mm-hmm. Livingston, the, the one with Tolkachev made him jump. Well, good. I mean, it's not forbidden, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. fine, you know. If if people want to uh, enjoy it like that, it's fine. It's you know. But it's um, all I'm saying that it's um, 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 yeah. That uh, it. I think this in this context it still works, and in in a context of an empty club or an empty. No warehouse, it it kind of misses the point a bit, I think.
2: I think you uh, touched on something super interesting, because, like, it's true when the record button goes on, then you behave differently uh, to when it's not turned on. And if you're playing live, whether it's in a club in front of people or over a stream, uh, I mean, playing live as in DJing or indeed playing a live set, you, you'll perform differently and you do capture that certain magic, I guess, when, when it's like in front of an audience, whether it's in front of a live audience or on, on a stream. And I've seen some really, really cool examples of that, like people really pulling stuff out of the bag that, that probably they wouldn't have done otherwise, and it's forwarding then like everyone's creativity and giving them motivation to keep going, keep making music, keep digging for cool new music. So I think it's, uh, yeah, there's tons of positives to it.
0: And it's a huge learning experience. I mean, you're creating a learning opportunity for so many people.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Giving, allowing a window. But yeah, I think you're right. It's really cool to see inside people's homes or like listen to their personal record collections or stuff they wouldn't normally play in a club. And uh, yeah, kind of go behind the scenes a little bit. That's so cool. Like imagine if, we would have had that ten or fifteen years ago.
0: Uh,
2: you know, seeing some of our favorite producers or musicians getting into their studios—I mean, it's it's really great. Like, mm. also without naming names, I've seen into some producer studios now this year, and I think otherwise we would have never had that chance. And that's that's pretty golden.
1: Awesome. <laughs> People, we've been uh, already talking for uh, more than two hours. It's such a shame that uh, yes. P. Lopez's connection was fucking up all the time. We would yeah. love to have him uh, have yeah. part of the conversation. But anyway, some other time. Yeah, we'll pick his brain on some other occasion when, uh, when he um, gets his uh, internet connection, his wired yeah, exactly. one fixed. Uh, it was a bit of a last-minute call, though, but I mean... Um, um, i enjoyed oh, this conversation <laughs> uh, very much but it's uh, yeah it's just a it's just a, a bit sad that uh, we had to um uh, uh yeah deal with the delays and stuff um anyway Definitely. it's fine <laughs> uh, it. yeah usually what we do at, at the end of uh, of the podcast is to uh, to give everybody um a few minutes to talk about what they're doing, what we can expect from them, where they can find your music, what uh, what's maybe coming up, any remixes, any releases, any projects. Um, Victoria, maybe you go first. Anything you want people to know about? Anything oh. you want to promote?
0: Uh, okay. I mean, we have a label called In Between with Ariel. So if he, anyone wants to check it out, they are more than welcome to do so um i have upcoming releases on jujuka which is julia govers label cool. and uh, yeah i think i think that's it
1: awesome wicked yeah, like,
2: i i i've been aware of uh, the In Between label that victoria and ariel run and it's super cool because they they release like not only techno and house, but also hip hop and some it's quite hard to categorize sometimes some of the music that
1: I guess that's why it's called in between right
0: actually <laughs> uh you know we started with this radio show like three years ago ago, and it was called "From here to there and Every place in between because we were, <laughs> we wanted to to do this you know like play. Music on the on national radio, but music that's good, but you don't, you know, you can't pinpoint exactly what everything is all the time. Mm-hmm. But everything is just part of the system which made house and techno exist. So then after that, we, we created the label and we were like, okay, this name is too long, so let's just call it in between. So yeah, that's great. Yeah,
2: yeah, that's some really cool so there,
0: music. Exactly yeah, somebody just
1: somebody just posted the link to the to the bandcamp. So uh, I encourage people to have a look there and uh, and see what uh, Victoria is up to. Cool. Thanks, Victoria. Um, Ed, anything you've got in the pipeline?
2: Yeah, there's some bits and pieces. I mean, that's why it was cool to connect tonight with Ariel and Victoria because I've recently released some music by both of them on Counter Change, which is the label that I've been running. For like six, seven years now, and um, Ariel did a, a gave me an original track for the Streams Day compilation that came out in February last year, and now Victoria remixed his track with a super cool. I don't know, it's really chunky. I would say chunky, banging, uh, kind of old school reinterpretation, and uh, Ariel remixed one of my tracks, so it's a nice kind of little thing we've got going on. And um, yeah, and then there's going to be an album from from Ariel from P. Lopez on Counter Change, which we're working on now to put together or to finalize. And uh, yeah, there's quite a few things planned for the label this year. I'm hoping to uh, to start getting some of that new stuff out there soon. So keep your eyes on it, I guess.
1: <laughs> cool. Yeah. Also, your the link to Counter Change is uh, in the comments now. So uh, nice, yeah, thanks. people, if you want to visit the the band camp uh, i would encourage you to do so um from my side i think i'm gonna just keep uh, keep it to two things one is the our discord server we we've got the a discord server where um all you knob twiddlers are hanging out and um, we uh, for people who don't know what discord is it's so it's sort of like a live forum it's like one uh it, it's like whatsapp group but massive and 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 it's in between whatsapp and a forum basically so it's not static it's in real time and a lot of um, notwillers not are hanging out there um people who watch the show there's there's people who are pros there are people who are uh, starting out novice and and veteran everything uh, mixed up and there's a lot of exchange of information music and um, all kinds of stuff basically uh, it's a really lively Environment. So if you like these shows and want to continue the conversation outside of the streams, then I encourage you to have a look there. There's a link in the comments right now, the Discord community. Uh, check that out. And the other thing is we have a Patreon page. If you like this project and want to support us, have a look there. There should be a link um, in the comments soon. We have several tiers. Um, the lower ones include include the monthly sound packs or sound banks and stuff, uh, sounds that are coming here from the lab and that we make available to the people who, um, who subscribe there. And the higher tiers can actually enjoy masterclasses and um, stuff like that. So we have a private Knob Twiddlers hangout as well um, where you can talk to me and get your, you know, advice on your music and get your music to the next level if that's something you're interested in um that's every wednesday oh, sorry every tuesday from now on and um so yeah have a look there um and i think other than the, what sorry what Oh <laughs> uh, yeah 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 um, um i think from next week onwards we we have a we do the stream an hour earlier so we'll start at eight but um, we'll announce it in the, on, on the social, so you'll see. Um, anyway, so yeah, again, thank you, uh, Ed, for joining. Thank you, Victoria, thank and you. of thank course, you so also thank you, um, P. Lopez Ariel. Sorry, it didn't work out with the connection, man. But we'll get you on some other time. <laughs> thanks, Ariel. Um, and thank um, you. yeah, thanks everybody for uh, for joining us and uh, watching. The stream, people on the Twitch and on on YouTube, and uh, hopefully see you in um, in Discord sometimes, and otherwise next week for a new round uh, with new guests. So thanks again.
2: Have a nice evening. Thanks for having us. Ciao, ciao,
1: ciao, ciao, ciao. <laughs>